What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 29 of season four. I'm Jim Eichlund, and I'm joined, as always, by Jack Smith and Kyle Warner. Our trade deadline episode. Welcome to it. We have a couple guests coming on. One inside the network, another outside the network. A huge guest for you guys. We'll, we'll tell you who it is. If you don't somehow know by now who that is, we'll tell you in just a second. Uh, before we get to that, if you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Also, a quick shout-out to fullpresscoverage.com, bellyupsports.com. While you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net, where you can now find the Pod Street Bully podcast, the Time I Skates podcast, and now officially the My Dad Used to Play Hockey podcast featuring Zach Kindrichuk. A uh, brand-new show came out today uh, by Jack uh, with uh, our newest member of the HW Network uh, in Bob Strum, uh, former director of scouting for the Columbus Blue Jackets. The show is called uh, The Reload. First episode dropped today. It's on Twitter. Listen to it after our show, please. Uh, I know everyone's going to be excited to, to listen to that one. Watch our show first till the end and listen to that as many times as you want. Um, so big stuff uh, with HW. We told you it was coming uh, and it's coming hot and heavy. Um, so with no further ado, Jack, Kyle, it's, it's here. Hot and heavy. I just want to correct you on something. It sounded a lot like you said Jack came out with a new show. Uh, it's actually Zach. I had nothing oh, to do with it. <laughs> I just want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's it. We are on uh, Giroux Watch, the final week. And it's getting, uh, it's getting kind of leaning towards our favor, if you ask me. I don't want to jump the gun, but I'm just saying. It's here. We're a week away. Giroux night, tomorrow night. Good point. Let's talk about that real quick. Um I want to know how you guys are, are feeling like tomorrow night could very well be the last game ever as a flyer for Claude Drew. Kyle, what does that do to you? Do you feel anything to get warm and fuzzy? Do you get sad, excited? What? Man, I don't want to see Claude Drew get traded, but at the same time, our team needs more than Claude Drew right now. And Claude Drew can get you some of those pieces that you're desperately missing. So, Bye, Claude. It was nice having you here. <laughs> I I tend to agree in the sense that, like, if I miss the game because something happens, I'm trying not to. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Like, I try to catch every game, but, like, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, unfortunately, as good as he is, his error here has really been – it's not his fault, but it's been the worst error of Flyers hockey. And it's like I really appreciate what he did. I'm really upset that the team management, the ownership couldn't build a better team around him, particularly during his prime years. Um, I feel bad that he took a lot of flack just because he wore the C. Meanwhile, I had nothing to work with. Um, and I just feel, I just feel bittersweet, I guess is the closest emotion I could feel to it. If this was like anybody else from my childhood, I'd probably be close to crying <laughs> like Leclerc, Leclerc night or Lindros night or something like that. But this is like, yeah, it's time to move on. Seem is an absolute joke, and we need to just. This is nice. This is one little nice blip during an absolutely atrocious year. Uh, but I'm more concerned with the trade deadline, and this is just a, a bump in the road to get there because I need to see what we get back for this guy. Because I'm tired of this. I'm tired of losing. We need to re reshuffle the jet, the deck, and get going again. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. You, you know, I'm I'm gonna be in the moment tomorrow night. I'm gonna really soak it in. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's, uh, 
we're going to try to turn the page, or at least I hope. Um, you know, we're going to talk to uh, our guest, who I, I'm not sure if I announced. I mean, if you're tuning into the show, you already know Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period series XM NHL is coming on the show uh, to talk about, you know, where Claude Drew could end up and some of the other Flyers players. Um, before we, you know, uh, Dennis is going to join us in about 10 minutes. So before that, let's bring on the man, Mr. Zach Kendrachuk, to the show. Zach, hey, brand buddy, new show. Thanks for hanging out with us, dude. How are you? Oh, I love it. I'm doing well. How are you guys? Excellent. Very good. Uh, so I just told the viewers or listeners, whoever, to wait till after our show is done to listen to your show. I know I can't wait to listen to it myself, the reload, but the viewers know that it's out. So um, before we go any further, can you tell us a little bit about the show and what, and you know, what listeners can expect to hear? So uh, my uncle, Bob Strum, he was the director of pro scouting for the Columbus Blue Jackets for about six years, but was a scout in the NHL for well over a decade. Uh, former coach of the Regina Pats. This guy watches more hockey than anybody that exists. You should see his living room. It looks like there's like six TVs. He's got all all the different games coming on at the same time. He knows everybody. He lives out in Las Vegas because he used to be the GM of the Las Vegas Thunder. And we in the first episode, just out of my curiosity, I had to talk about Radic Bonk and what a in my mind, disaster he turned out to be. But Strum, Strummer defends him a little bit. Um, but yeah, out there in, in Las Vegas, he watches every single game. He knew he had a he had more information about Nick Sealer than I ever did. Nick Sealer. Like he's got he's got a scouting report on him. My God, so why? Just, I because he's just he's a he's a man obsessed with hockey. And he's really got uh, great insights, and yeah, I'm, I. It's been a thrill to reconnect with him. We, it's not that like we were estranged; we just didn't talk for a while. And to have him, uh, you know, back in my life, and and to talk hockey with him, which has always been our favorite conversation to have. It's been really fun, and he's he's worth a listen because he understands how to to. I wanted to call it the rebuild, but he thought the reload was a better analogy, uh, a better title for the, for the podcast, because you do need that combination of draft picks and free agent signings. He's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. And I, I hope he, I hope he becomes a good resource for the, for the network. I think he will be right. I mean, right away. I mean, uh, I, I called him today to, you know, just to welcome him. We ended up talking for 15, 20 minutes, just about yeah. hockey. He said, yeah, I average about two games a day uh, on a, on a, he said, uh, but on weekends he goes, yeah, probably six to eight. I'm like, holy shit. Like, if I watch eight games in a week, that's pretty good. I know. I know. We went as far as the Flyers go. I think I've seen 14 games in their entirety this year, and he trounces me in that. <laughs> I mean, he's got a scouting report on Nick Sealer. So I would assume. Nick Sealer. I brought up <laughs> Nick Sealer just, just to kind of test the waters. And he went off on Nick Sealer. I was like, oh my God, how much do you know about everybody? He's got a photographic memory, too. I it's love pretty it. remarkable. Awesome. I mean, uh, so major addition. Um, definitely looking forward to listening to the show. So interesting that you chose that you went with reload because everybody knows what's going on with the Flyers right now. Um, you know, there's rebuild, reload. Um, you know, it's a topic that we always talk about. But Zach, I can't remember if I ever got your opinion on that. Um, did, did you go with reload because that's what you hope the Flyers do in the offseason? Or, or what's the deal with that? Well, again, it's going to be a Philly-centric podcast, but we're going to talk about other teams as well. And we're—I don't even know where we are. We're—we're we're not rebuilding. We're not reloading. Um, 
So it, it but other teams, uh, other teams really have that decision. And he brought up that he brought up the, this amazing stat. The last 10 Stanley cup uh, winners have had at least 10 draft picks on their team, hmm. homegrown draft picks. And then you look at the flyers and obviously, <clears throat> you know, we, we, we won't, we won't win. We won't win a Stanley cup with our homegrown draft picks. So he thought it would, it's a better title because most teams uh, have to have that balance between you know, drafting and also signing free agents or, or, or trading for rentals or whoever it is. Uh, so I thought I, I agreed with them that that was actually a better title. As far as the flyers go, I mean, what Jack Warner, Jim, I don't think there's a verb for us. Sorry. Restart. Like, should we just maybe rename the franchise, um, move them to Conshohocken, and just start all over again? I, like, I, I don't. I, I don't. I, I don't know if there's. I, Jim, I, I loved your tweet. Uh, I think it was like a week ago. Now, two or three years away, which has been kind of the joke moniker of this team, but it's. Oh, true. Yeah. It's it's really really funny. I I because when you even look to going forward to like next year or twenty twenty five, and you know miracles can happen. The Canadians last year kind of caught lightning in a bottle. They shouldn't have uh, gotten as far as they did. But when I look at the rosters of every other franchise, and I'm even gonna I'm actually gonna include the Kraken and the Coyotes and the Sabers in this. I'm a little bit envious because they either have cap space. Or they either have young type, uh, young talent that 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 the fan base should be absolutely excited about. And I have, there's young talent here, but none that really get me all that excited. The closest thing to it is probably, I guess, Cam York. I know he's the name that we sort of bring up, but I talked to Strummer today about him. I mean, things at best, he's a solid second line pairing, and that's it. After that, our <laughs> our prospects now, most prospects are like 21, right? Our prospects are all like 26. <laughs> yeah, like that's not a prospect anymore. That's like shit or get off the yeah. pot. Yeah. Zach, I got to ask you a question because I love torturing myself apparently. What is the scouting report on Cole Caulfield? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the, the sky's the limit with him. Yeah. Yep. He's, okay. he's, he's going to be – he's not only he's not only a dynamic player, but he's a, a, a dynamic leader. And Montreal is, is just – Again, another guy the Flyers could have had. We could go over this a million times. We don't have him. Montreal has him. Montreal, and I think that they've really done a good job of changing their culture. They've been playing a lot better as of late. I think bringing in Marty St. Louis was an interesting decision. We'll see how it works out. I know that it's it's worked out so far in the beginning. I think they're eight five and one since they brought him on. And you know, there's there's always the kind of new. Well, except for the Flyers, when when you bring in a, a new guy, there's kind of enthusiasm to play well for that guy. But yeah, Cole Caulfield, man, it's a name we're going to be hearing for a long time. It's going to be another on the long list of regrets of players we wish should have been here that just unfortunately it didn't pan out for us. Jack, are you okay? Is your brain bleeding yet? My brain's been, <laughs> my brain's been bleeding since Christmas, dude. Yeah, I get yeah. rid of nosebleeds all the time. It's I know. this season. <laughs> it's 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 one thing to lose. I've been through losing periods with the Flyers before, and Jim, I think we talked about this the other night. Uh, and, and, and I just had Russ Farwell on who oversaw a pretty dark era of the, of the flyers, but that team still, man, we had Brindamore, we had Recky, like guys playing hard. When you brought Brindamore on your team, you know, everybody's out there playing their guts out. And now it's just, 
Uh, I think Dave said it best, and I, I brought it up on the first episode of the Reload. We're finding we're the we're the new Detroit Lions of the of the you know to use a cross sports reference of the NHL, like finding new ways to lose, like the, to I and I would argue, and we'll see what happens going into the future of this disastrous season. But was there a tougher loss for you guys than that Canadians loss? The only tough part was that they did in overtime. They got a point and they got a worse draft pick out of it. If you're going <laughs> to lose, just lose. No, for me, it was the call field goal that sealed it for me. Yeah. Like, it's tough? Not really. It's just, it's like a massive eye roll. It's like they really do find ways to lose. This it was so cartoonish, good. too, to see Rissalainen fling himself into the boards like that <laughs> on a power play. Like, that's that's just the kind of thing that I feel like that, that, when you ask, is my brain bleeding? That's the kind of thing that makes my brain bleed. That was like the the shit the shit Running cherry on top of the Donald. shit cake. Yeah, it's just watching this team with a lead late in the third period. It's like cheering for the goat in Jurassic Park. Like it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be all right. Oh, that's great! That's the greatest the analogy ever. It's true. Jack, were you holding that one in your pocket? You could say, what's that? Did you have that one loaded? Like, where'd that come from? That was good. Uh, I stole that from a couple years ago, used with the Phillies bullpen or something. Oh, <laughs> I would have never admitted it. Like, yeah, for yeah, a while now. Even after a rainy day. But oh, it, it fits, though, because it's like this team with a lead, with, the, with any like high pressure situation, with, you know, it's going to unravel. And it yeah. does every time. And this time it was on a power play. It's like, well, that's just new. That's just a new way to lose. Like power play late in the game like that. Yeah. The McDonald's slide. It's just like that was a nice little throwback, which was great. It's like, oh my God, man. And that's the only difference kinda... is he got the puck. Yeah, well, but listen, like, <laughs> McDonald would have just completely fell down. Human and used to do and that all the time, but he would do it right. So it, it there is a way to do that correctly. You know, we're just so used to, you know, there's like the ten different things wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, in the same week that we signed him to this massive extension, too. I know. Of course, like the, the I don't you know if it was or not top ten, but it it was certainly was on the fly. It, it was worthy 10. of it, and I, 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 I understand he wasn't the only player to blame. If you look at that whole that whole sequence, every flyer is doing the wrong thing, but yep. not every flyer ended up, you know, <laughs> falling into the boards like the girlfriend you bring ice skating for the very first time. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this Are actually so- happened to you, Zach? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, poor Brooke. That's a sin. Sorry, Brooke. Yeah. Uh, so I- I'm wondering, did you guys see any of the press conference after the game? Because that was one of the uh, – I mean, I haven't been to a lot live, maybe a handful, but that was – you could feel the uh, the tension or, you know, the energy, whatever it was. It was like I, I could have swore I was going to see somebody cry up there, whether it was Sandheim or, or Frost or yeah. – even, even Yo was like upset to the point where – you can hear his voice kind of shake around a little bit. I'm like, is this guy going to cry? Like, what, he what happened me, in there? If, Yo stroked me like he was going to like flip the table, kind of like he was holding back with the, everybody else looked like they were going to cry. The, the and Yo was pink red. He gave you the only like real response, which was like, you know, it flicked a switch, like, oh, there's some life here. And as quickly as we were given that, that was retracted as well. It's like, come yeah. on, man, have some balls. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, you gotta, what are you, what are you losing with this team? If you say you're probably gonna get cut loose anyway, you know, I, I just don't understand why he came back on his words unless somebody pulled him aside and was like, 
trying to trade some of these players, like maybe not do that. Either way, I don't think it saved anything. It should, he should have stuck, stuck by his word. Just ice whatever lineup he wanted to ice. Uh, who cares? You know, the point is he showed frustration. We can understand playing a veteran lineup with Giroux's thousandth game. I won't say final game. But, uh, you know, so I, whatever. But then he got a backtrack on it. It just was another eye roll. So this, this franchise can't do anything right. That backtracking made me enraged. And I understand, you know, it's immediately I get why he said, I'm sorry, because we do have a big, we have a big game. Grilled cheese are, <clears throat> grilled cheese sandwiches are going to be raining a plenty. And you obviously can't have veterans playing during this milestone. But is, is have you ever seen a team with sadder milestones? Like these are mass, massive milestones. Hopefully we people eat the grilled cheese and don't throw year. them. And then we have, we have, Claude Drew is about to play his thousandth game. And I think the Flyers have given away like 3,500 tickets just to have the building filled. It's, yeah. uh, it, yeah, it only gets more depressing. And for, for Mike, yo, it's because someone said, like, you can't have JVR sitting in the press box. Hell yeah, you can. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. Ladies I'm and gentlemen, like, how much, like, because for me personally, like, I'm so disinterested in even watching the Flyers. Like you guys were like, how heartbreaking was that loss? I'm like, I don't know. I was playing Call of Duty. That's how disinterested I am with the franchise at this point. That I'd rather have video games on than watch these. Yeah, I got it. Not, they don't even care. There, there is disinterested. The Philadelphia Flyers players are as disinterested in playing the sport of hockey as I am in not watching them, not want to play. That, that's what it I, I, I wish I could get to your state of mind, dude. <laughs> I really do. Cause like I'll, you know, during, during that, that intermission, I'll switch over to impractical jokers or something, but I always have to go back to the game. It's just, it's in my DNA. I wish I, ju- I wish I could stop watching, but I, I just can't, but I get it. If I were you, I mean, I, I'd, I'd stick to call of duty as well. Oh. But I wonder how much, like, cause we don't say this enough, but it's clear that everybody on the team is absolutely done with the season. I mean, I, I don't think Cam is. What, Cam York? No, no Atkinson. 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 Yeah, I think I think he's still I think he still wants to justify to himself that this was a good this was a good landing spot. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, because he's he's very much pro Philly. I think Drew too, still seeing him destroy his stick after games, shows some kind of care. Um, and then I, I guess Hart. Because you know he's yeah. still pride, he's still having good games, but then that's where the buck stops. Yeah, that's about it. Well, allow me to bring in our guest for where, if you were going to watch anything else tonight, you're you're going to watch this. You're not you're not leaving tonight, Mr. Dennis Bernstein uh, of the Fourth Period and Sirius XM NHL Radio. Um, Dennis, thanks for hanging out. How are you? No, doing great. So that's the worst possible thing as an outsider you can hear about a Philadelphia Flyer fan, <laughs> that they're apathetic about the team. Oh, yeah. And when I watch it on the package and I see the 6,000 people, hey, I went to Ryder. I'm, I'm from New Jersey. I, I remember the spectrum. Like to see the state of the franchise is right now, and you're justified not to watch. I know there's some, you know, dude, you're, you're still emotionally attached, but you have every right. The, the, the product is – Product's awful. And I agree, Dennis. Like, because, it, yeah. It, it's one thing to be angry at the team, but it's another thing to be apathetic. Worse, that is worse. It's the worst thing to be apathetic. Like if you if you care, and I know all you guys care, and you you know you're you're you bleed orange, but like you have a right to be at the apathetic given what's happened this season. And you gotta hope that 
you find the right coach and make some smart moves in the marketplace. But um, happy to be with uh, with you and talk some hockey. Well, couldn't be happier to have you on. Uh, I was very excited when you reached out and you got back right away. I'm like, holy sure, crap. No problem. Dennis yeah, Bernstein's sure. coming on. So, um, you know, obviously the main reason it got you on, yep. Philadelphia Flyers are selling, obviously. Yes. Um, a lot of trade talk. Uh, you guys do great stuff at the fourth period. Uh, Thank so, you. Uh, so obviously the, the biggest name on the list, we'll, we're just going to get him out of the way. Claude Giroux playing yep. in his 1,000th game tomorrow night as a Philadelphia Flyer, potentially his last. Um, have you heard any chatter? We're hearing here that, you know, Florida could be his preferred destination. We're seeing, you know, the Panthers clear cap. We're seeing Colorado yep. clear cap. Is there anything that we're not hearing? Well, no, but I, I think when you see Colorado go get Josh Manson, which is what they need, because remember last year in the playoffs, like they were going through everybody and then they got punched in the nose in the second game by Vegas, who's a big mm -hmm. physical team. So what did they do when they got Josh Manson? The only way I could see Colorado going for, for G is this. And this is not a compliment. Um, if if Nas Kadri loses his mind again in the playoffs, he's going to get suspended for like 10 games. And then you don't have a second line center. So maybe – like Giroux would be the solve there. But I think Florida, like why is Florida trading Frank uh, Vetrano today if they're not bringing in another player? Now, they could bring in another defenseman, and they're not the greatest defensive team in the world. I, I just think the dots connected to, to Florida. Um, but I don't think you're getting Spencer Knight, and I don't think you're getting um, the third-line center down there, the, the kid down there, Anton Mundell. But I think it's a situation where this should be tomorrow night, and it's a great way to close the chapter, right? This guy – this guy's a flyer. He's a legend, right? You got to let him play Southland game in here and then trade him to the best for the best offer. So I don't think there's any other teams. Maybe St. Louis, maybe, yeah. but I and and possibly look, you can always talk about Boston's depth because that's all we ever talk about. And who do they have at the two seed right now? Eric Hollow. That's not going to win them a championship. And they're hot. Swayman's playing well in that. So that could be a third team. But I think it comes down to those teams because you're adding G as a final piece, right? You're not, oh, okay, maybe we can win a round. Like, he wouldn't come to L.A. They could beat maybe Vegas in the first round. You're going to a championship team, and they have to trade him. There's no doubt about it. This guy has to move. Maybe he comes back, but, guys, what I've learned is when you trade away a player, he never comes back. So, to me, this may very well be his final game, and he should go out on a high. And, yeah, they gave away tickets, and they're going to paper the house. But you have to paper the house for a player who's been a legend for this team. I would agree. Breaking we... news. Go ahead, Kyle. Breaking news. Florida traded for Ben Chariot. There you go. <laughs> Chariot. Do you Chariot. like that one? Ben Chariot. Chariot. Regina, Regina. There you go. So Florida made their move for Ben Chariot. They gave up uh, Tyler Smilonic, a first-round pick, and a fourth-round pick. So it's yeah, starting up already. Yeah, but they up, up the first in 2023, yeah. which was that draft that we were eyeing. So yeah, you're not getting that pick for Giroux. Wow. Yep. And that's it. A lot of teams are asking for 2023 picks, not 2022. Uh, look, hey, good, good move by Kent Hughes, right? He, he held his ground. He got the first-round pick he wanted for Ben Chirot, who, you know, can certainly add to that team. But uh, to me, and, and now it's like the dominoes. And the next domino has got to be – Campus Lindholm. What do the Ducks do with Lindholm and Raquel? Like, so that's another thing. And, and I think that that's probably an indicator of now maybe Lindholm going. But that's a nice trade for, for Montreal. They need a lot of help. Jeez, they're just. Yeah, that's just, a hell of a trade know, for Montreal. They, they think Mont St. Louis is going to be, you know, some great head coach. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's you know, it's tough, guys. When when teams play really well, when there's absolutely nothing at stake, I always worry about those teams. Like, like Arizona. Arizona's on a heater, right? I think they won six or seven. Montreal's playing really, really good. 
But to me, not really sure. So, yeah, I think now you're going to see the dominance fall. So you talk about Philly, Justin Braun. What's he going to get? He's not getting that package. But, you know, if he gets a conditional mid-round pick for to, to some contending team that loses out on Chirot and loses out on, you know, Hampus Linham, there's going to be some landing places for these players because I think what's going to happen is once you get to Monday, you want an insurance policy if you're a GM and there's an injury. And I can only talk about here in Los Angeles where it seems every single day a guy goes on IR. Yeah. For, that's for sure. So you mentioned Justin Braun. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's pretty much known that there's a, at least a handful of teams calling in uh, Toronto and Carolina, just to name a yeah. few. Have you heard anything else on on Justin Braun? Because I think from our perspective, we were kind of thinking maybe Drew and Braun get packaged to Florida. But after that move, who knows what's going to happen now? Yeah, I, I think the packages are hard because here's the thing: like half the teams are on LTIR, so just to get to one player is tough. So now you got to add a second player, and it's money in, money out. I'll be honest with you guys, this is not the NFL or the NBA where they're creative, these general managers. They're not that creative. It's usually one guy for a conditional pick and you retain money. That's it. Like you watch it. There's mm-hmm. no creativity. And that's the other issue. So these big these big deals that might come, they're not coming at the deadline, but come in the offseason. So if you're talking about like connecting in Sanheim, like that would that's not happening now, right? So to me, Justin Braun is a conditional mid-round pick for a contending team. That's what it is based on maybe how deep the team goes or like, how many games he plays in. But he's a guy that, you know, could could certainly help a team like uh, a Calgary, right? But the problem is, is and not that he has no trade costs, he doesn't. A lot of these players don't want to go to Canada. Like mm-hmm. Josh Manson, Edmonton wanted him. Toronto wanted him, didn't want to go. Like Marc-Andre Fleury didn't want to go to Edmonton. Farlamoff didn't want to go to Edmonton. So I don't think there's a lot of – there's not a lot of landing spots. So, you know, if Chuck gets a call for – Justin Broad, he can't negotiate that deal. Like, what's the deal? Okay, fine. If it's a decent offer, move on from it. So I think that, that's what you're staying at. So it's not like there's a pool of seven teams. Like, you can figure out which teams who might lose out on Josh Manson or lose out on another defenseman like Ben Chirot, where else they're going to go. Maybe St. Louis, maybe a Calgary. I think those are teams that probably might be in the mix for Justin Braun. Dennis, I don't really see the point of moving a lot of guys out of this team anyway. Uh, we're lousy. We're going to be lousy yeah. as we – so it's it, and there's nothing exciting on the table. I I, I don't know what Giroux is really going to bring back realistically because the teams that he wanted to go to and he's got the no trade clause, they've right. all kind of figured it out. I don't know if they want a rental. Uh, I, um, I know I know Colorado now maybe needs them a little bit more. And you brought up St. Louis because they don't have a dynamic score this year, but they're the most offensively balanced team in the league. I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- why would why would they screw up possibly their team chemistry because they've all seemingly figured it out just to bring on a guy like Giroux for any sort of meaningful return. Well, I, I think with Giroux, like he can put you over though. I, it, do you believe, I mean, do you believe that guy can make a difference? But I'll give you an example between um, Florida and Carolina. If you, if they played a playoff series and you added that player to one of those teams, would they be at an advantage? I think so. I think that's, he's a playmaker, right? He's not the huge goal scorer, but he, he's going to win you a face off. He's going to, he can play right wing. He can play center. So to me, it's, it's the teams that are right there, right? This is not a trade for Nashville. It's not a trade for Minnesota. It's a trade for Florida. Florida can win it all. I've seen them play. I saw them play yeah. here on, on Sunday night, right? That, that Carolina could win it all. The only other team is Boston because, you know, here's the thing. Boston never replaced David Krejci. Charlie calls a 3C on our championship team. Like, Eric Hall is not. So, to me, that what that what that's what makes sense. So, 
and you got to go for it. I think what you look when you look at Don Sweeney and you say, okay, this team's really hot. Swain is now the goalie that we needed because Tuka Rask is gone. Like, can we do some damage? So I think that you got to go for it. But I agree. It's not like seven teams for Claude Giroux. It's three teams. It's it's the upper echelon teams that say, I had this player. I'm going to win a championship. Now, are you going to get some great return with like, you know, like a, Jack, a Jacob Chicken trade or something like that? No, you're not. Like, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to have to manage your expectations here. But again, he's the guy at the top of the list because of his pedigree. And there are GMs that say, okay, I'm going for it. Like, Joe Sackett's going for it, right? I mean, he made that trade. He's going for it. Like, could he add you? I, I don't think so because they got enough talent. But I think in the East, where it's a toss-up, and you've got Tampa Bay looming in the background there. Sure. Like, right? Like, you say, I, I need this player to be Tampa Bay. That, that's what, you know, one or two of these GMs might think. So you don't move everybody up because everybody's been banged up. Ryan Ellis has played four games this year, right? Couture has played 29 games. Kevin Hayes has been injured. It's just been – like when it goes rotten, it went rotten all the way in Philly this year, and that some of it's injury and some of it's performance, and and you got to figure it out. But for me, it's like who's coaching this team next year? What kind of style of plays are going to be? I mean, that's how you. I think you pivot off what moves need to be made in the off, off season, and I can't tell you who the coaches right now. All right, well, Dennis, didn't tell me who the coach is next season. Uh, I I I don't I I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know. I I uh, you tell me exactly. Who, who did you want? That's what I want. AB comes back. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. I'm done. Could you imagine everybody in the in the locker room would just walk out? That's the problem. Like, what? Like, what do you take a like? They took a risk on a co- college coach a couple of years ago, right? With hack, didn't work. So do you go that route? Do you, it, and here's the thing: this is not that young of a team, so you don't no. need the teacher, right? You need more veteran presence. So I, I would think you would need more an established coach that would have respect in the room because. Guys are 28, 29 years old. This is not a young team. So to me, I don't really have the coach right now. I can't figure it out. But there's a lot to figure out in the city with respect to the hockey team. I'm a big fan. Of, I'm I'm in Talkit Camp, and maybe that okay that seems a little little delusional, yeah. but because no, the Flyers the Flyers do fall into the trap of bringing back ex players, and then those players become sort of villains once they once they're a coach or in the front office. But I think Talkit Talkit to me. I brought this up, I think, on the show before. Talking to me is sort of in that Brindamore category of player where good, yeah. not great, where he Correct. understands what it is to, to be a grinder, but also understands what it is to be a talented person and kind of can coach both sorts of players. And I, I think Talkit feels like he has some unfinished business here. That's my hope. And I, yeah, well, I, 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 you know, Rick's been a guest on Sirius XM with us. He wants to coach again. So yeah. could that team like, and, he, you know, is there a honeymoon period with a player like that who did perform in Philly? I guess there mm-hmm. is. And and not for nothing, look, Arizona sent everybody away, but Jacob Chikrin, he developed under Rick Tockett. There, there was a they were a playoff team with Rick Tockett. So there's a there's a track record there. I know people will say retread, but you know, guess what? Bruce Boudreau's a retread, Daryl Sutter's a retread. So mm-hmm. you you can, it depends on team. And I, I think again, I, I think the guy who's the more experienced coach with the veteran presence is gonna work for the where this team is right now is with the development. Unless you're shipping everybody out, you're going to totally rebuild. And I don't see that happening in Philly. We don't have the resources to do it. We don't have the, yeah, we don't have the graphics yeah. or, the, or the prospects. I mean, we're, we when we talk about rebuilds here in Florida, um, I mean, it, we're, we're closer to rebuilding the spectrum than we are the team. <laughs> well, that see, here's the problem. Like, you got to either be really good or really bad in the NHL. When you're mediocre, right. when you're like the nine seed, that's death. You could be stuck in the nine seed for like 
five years. And yeah. that's that's the danger here because of what we talked about, the age of the roster, not a lot of assets, not a lot of high value, underperforming players. Like it just uh, so it, it's it's tough to say, hey, we got to move everybody out in mess. Were the were the miscalculations by Chuck? Of course there were. Look, the, the people not in the stands tells you that's the case. But how much of a you know how much of a miscalculation was that? Look, I, I tell you, I'll give you the example. I think next year the Islanders will bounce back, right? I think they'll be a playoff team. Do you think that this team will bounce back and be a playoff team next year if everybody's healthy? Let's say. No. I don't okay. think so. I think there's a lot there left to be desired. A lot depends on their offseason. We expect big right. things in the offseason, but even still, at best, I've always said this team is kind of like in purgatory. They're that ninth, the bubble playoff team, yeah, the ninth exactly. seed, the eighth seed who has no shot at really doing anything. And even if they add like a Johnny Gaudreau or whatnot or whoever, right. I still think they're in the bottom tier of playoff teams. And they're in a tough division, right? Those teams aren't going away. That's the other issue is that these other teams are getting better. Carolina's not going away. Rangers look like they're better. I, I think the Islands will bounce back. That's the question. Like, what do you do here? And it's it's a big question, Jack. And, and again, that's the worst thing. But that's right. Like, you can't, like, if you sold off, like, the core of this team, what would you get back? You're not getting back the first overall pick. So it, it's it's a dilemma. Stuff has to be fixed. But you've got to hope that there's some underperformance here that some guys will bounce back, have better seasons. I agree with the Cam Atkinson. That kid plays every hard. I love that player. I thought that was a good trade, but, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have talked ad nauseum about the Vista Lion re-signing. But to me, it's 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 a dilemma. I don't see this team in three years being a cup contender short of some great performances and maybe some I, – I, I can't even tell you some people that might want to come. Yeah, Johnny Gaudreau, would he add to this team? If you watch him play, wow, yeah. But is that going to solve everything with this team? I don't think so. No, they're clueless, especially in their own zone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no idea. That's what coaching, doing. Kyle. Kyle, that's coaching, though, right? You need a better coach, right? Like, and I'll give you the example. Like, I will tell you that the Kings roster is not any better than the Flyers roster. The Kings are a ninety-eight point team. They're on track for that. Like, it's coaching. So that's why the coach is really. People say it's just about talent. BS. It's also about coaching. Because like, I also tell you, and as much as I don't like Daryl from his time in Calgary, his time in LA here, like that's not really a, a championship team yet. They could go to the Cup final, so I think it's vital they get the right coach here that can that can get respect, they can get performance, and get accountability in the room. But when you say when you say coaching, do you mean like implementing a new system, a word yeah. that I started to hate, or do you mean reinstating <laughs> some sort of culture? I think it's both. I think there's got to be accountability. I don't think there's any look, guys. I watch this team play. I'm, I'm from back east. I watch him and I see that the team and Kyle's right. They don't have a clue. Like they, they're like, they're like Montreal. Like before San Luis came in with Duchamp, they don't have a clue in their own zone. It's 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 bad, embarrassing. If you're a Flyers fan and the legacy of this team, like I'm old enough to remember the '70s. Like it's it. There's no structure. It's just guys skating around. So you have so Zach. It's both. Like, because you can't have one without the other, right? If you don't have the culture in a room, are you going to really be that organized or that committed or buying into a system? No. So when you don't have the culture and there's no buy-in, you get the result what you get in Philly this year. Yeah. And I think that's, for me, the, the most disappointing player this year on a litany. You know, a, a long list of, of very disappointing players has been Ivan Provorov. Yeah. Um, because the, it, he, there's two things. He, he has not been coached particularly well. And he is clearly, clearly not buying into the culture. 
Like he's, yeah. if there's anyone that I've seen has just mentally checked out more than Ivan Provorov. Um, I, I couldn't name him. He he just does not seem to want to be here or want to be a flyer any longer. And uh, I don't know exactly when that started, uh, maybe towards the end of last year, but this year has become more evident than ever. And Zach, look at his money. He's what, $6.8 million? Really... Yeah, exactly. So like, so for me, uh, look, here's the thing. I'll take him here. I'll put him next <laughs> to Dutati. It'll, it'll do pretty good, but yeah. but that's a situation where there there's your guy, there's your guy. Like that's probably the biggest return. But here's the thing, when you you step into this off season and all the trade value is depressed from all these players not playing well, so you're mm-hmm. like you're, you're you're dealing from such weakness, guys, that it's scary. You might have to say, okay, we might have to bite the bullet here on some of these assets until next trade deadline. Maybe they come in, new coach, they perform better. Maybe we underperform, but we can move these guys. But you're trading these guys like Konechny or Sandheim or even Pro, which I agree with you. Pro's the biggest disappointment without question. And you're right, Zach. I, I think you got you hit the nail on the head. I think there's something going on, like not just performance-wise, but mentally with this with this player. Like maybe you move on from him. But you better get three assets from him because he is that good. And the worst thing would be trading him away and he goes performs like he, he used to perform, like the player I used to know. So it's it's tough to step in the postseason when you're dealing from such weakness here. And that's going to be a challenge for Chuck, to be honest with you, if you're going to swing trades. Dennis, so we had heard, uh, I think it was over the weekend or, or just prior to the weekend, you know, some things come out about Ivan Provorov just after the Flyers had signed Rasmus first line and. I think it was Elliot Freeman uh, who mentioned uh, that Ristolainen could be the first domino to fall in a, in a line of potential things happening. And mm-hmm. he mentioned Ivan Provorov potentially being available for trade. Um, I want to say I, I remember hearing St. Louis was in on a, maybe a year or so ago. Have you heard anything mm-hmm. surrounding Ivan Provorov in terms of teams uh, potentially trying to trade for him? Well, not now, James, but by the time we get to July, you will because before this season, you would think that, oh, that guy's not moving. Like we've always t- like I've talked about in LA, they've had they've looked for a part of partner for Drew Doughty forever, basically for five since they won a championship since 2014. I haven't found him, and I was like, so I line up the guys like Wierenski and then Provorov and Dallin, but now Provorov's not moving. Like Provorov wasn't moving, right? But Jacob Chicken wasn't moving, and now all of a sudden he's moving. So to me, I, I think James, I-, I don't think this is not a deadline deal. But look, if you're Chuck Fletcher, what do you have to do? Listen on everybody. Give me the untouchable on this team. Maybe the goalie, maybe, depending on the deal. Give me the untouchable. There isn't an untouchable on this team. So you got to listen on everybody. If it improves it and you get a three for one and you think it's better. And then, to be honest with you, and this is what goes back to what Zach says, you got to sit down with this player in the offseason and look him in the eye and say, look, that was a bad season. What's going on? Do you want to be here part of going forward? You have to have that conversation with the player, with the representatives, and make a determination on that. Because I, I think based on, you know, again, what, what Zach's saying, like when you look at that player and like, I don't care if the team sucks, like you can't check out. Mm-hmm. Like you, you like the team, the LA stuck for three years. Kopitar yeah. never checked out. So to yeah. me, I think it's a, com- um, you got to have an um, honest conversation with the guys that you think are core guys. And if they're not on board after you name the coach, I think you got to wait till you name the coach. If they're not on board, then you take calls and you move on from him because it's again it's a 23 man roster. This is not the NBA where you had two guys and you're going to win a championship. Dennis, can I ask you this? Because uh, you know we've we've yes, talked sir. about this uh, all of us. We were excited going into the season. We thought Chuck's moves were maybe prudent. That you know, Voracek was a great flyer, but needed to move on. And Cam yeah. Atkinson was a shoot first guy. 
Ristolainen, uh, I was suckered into watching his three-minute YouTube <laughs> highlight clip and thought, wow, this guy's a bruiser, which he is every six days or so. Uh, and then, you know, there, there are other just deals. Keith Yandel seemed to, to make sense. We got rid of Ghost, which I know we yep. regret now, but at the time we seemed like it seemed like that we needed to offload the salary and he was just making too many silly mistakes. Sure. Come uh, last September, were you feeling the same way that we were, that this was actually a good flyer squad that got put together? Ryan Ellis, obviously, you know, being brought in as well. I like the moves, but they were, what, a second-tier team at best? I, I think, going back to what Jack said, I think there were seven, eight, nine, ten team. Like, they could be in, they could be out, right? I didn't I didn't like them ahead of the Islanders. And look what happened to the Islanders, right? So, to me, I, I didn't think this was a championship team. I didn't think this was a team that could go to the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah. Could they get in? Yep. Could they get? And, again, you had questions and marks about the goaltending, so you didn't even know. So, I, I, Jack, I like the moves. I thought they were solid. I, th I thought they were risk. And look, not for nothing. I said this for three months. You had to sign Risto because you traded a first round pick for him. You lose face if you don't. Think. And I know. Yeah, whatever. That's the worst reason, though. Yeah, but you have to. You can't let that. You, you, it's not the worst reason. Like, who's his pair? Who's his? Who's going to be paired with him next season? Like, who are you going to play him? Like Sanheim. Okay. So maybe yeah. he, he's not. He's not a top one. And he, you didn't pay him eight million dollars either. You didn't give him Seth Jones's contract. So to me, it's managing. He, you know, who he is. He's Tyler Myers. Okay. Mm. So if he's your fourth best defenseman, you have a good team. If he's your second best defenseman, Zach, then you're right. But I, that's what I always thought. My perception was they traded for this guy, and they're going to eventually resign him. And they came to fruition. Whether it's going to work out down the line, I agree with you. You should have concerns with that player. But again, it's who you surround him with. And again, if he's a top of the line guy, a top pair guy, no, not a championship team. So. Going back to your original question, I, I thought playoffs, but first round and out probably. I didn't think anything more than that because it, it there wasn't there's just you know too many holes, too many question marks. Yeah. That, that gives all about next year and the possible retool. Like what, <laughs> what could they what could they do? What could they do to to at this point, even if everybody comes back healthy, had a good row? I mean That'd be fantastic, but what are you looking at cap wise at that point? Who are you moving in? Who are you moving out? Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. what is that really? How does that move the needle for you at that point? And that, Jack, that's why the only, I yeah, only, thing, only thing you can do, Jack, is say, okay, this was a zero year. This, this, this was this, we bottomed out, mm -hmm. and we can't have that many injuries and that many underperformance. And we talked to Proveroff, and he's bought in because of the new coach, whoever it is, talking or whatever. Like that's what you got to hope for, right? I mean, you, you can't got to say, okay, this is rock bottom, and it. It is. And again, I go back to this. Like, what, it really pains me. And I'm like, I'm emotionally invested in this game. But when I see the, the crowds, in, you know, at, at Wells Fargo, like, that pains me. Like, there's no way ever this, I know this city, yeah. I know how they love sports. That pains me. So to me, you got to say, okay, we really bottomed out. And Chuck's got to complete. You know, here's the thing you got to watch Chuck Fletcher's end of season availability and see what he says. Cause it's been a lot of speeches, a lot of letters, a lot of talking Dave's got, there's been a lot, but now, now what Chuck, now what organization, what are you going to do now? So I think that's the key. I think that's where it all starts. You know, he's got to have me a couple and say, look, if this was terrible, here's how we're going to fix it. And then pivot from there. So I think the first thing, Jack, if you're a fan, you got to see what this guy steps up and says, and who's accountable, who's accountable for, the, frankly, the mess that's filling in right now. If I see some accountability, that would be a huge step forward for this team. I think what scares me the most is we've seen, like, bottoming out. Like, they did this last year, too. 
Like, they, they, yeah. I mean, I know there was COVID and all that, but other teams persevered. We completely bottomed out, completely can't handle any adversity or anything at all. And the hacks all years, yeah, sure, they had some playoff berths. They got absolutely embarrassed by division rivals who went on to greater things, and or they just flat out missed the playoffs. And it's been yeah. such a bad era of Flyers hockey with a lot of the same players on this team that any faith going forward, no matter what Fletcher really says at this point, it's, it's kind of like, Kind of like an eye roll, you know. I mean, yeah, they can move yeah. mountains and all that, but one, I don't see them as a contender, even adding a superstar player. No. And two, I don't know how much I trust a lot of what this whole front office does between the drafting, the player development, and flat out adding a coach and players to this team that can win on the ice and not just be like a good team to play against, but they repeatedly get embarrassed all the time. Yeah, like it, it is a shoe in. If there's a tight game, they're losing it in, at the yeah. very end. If it's a, a prime time game, they're getting blown out. Like it, it is embarrassed. This is unbelievable how what's happened to this franchise. Yeah, it's it's back to what Zach's question was. There's no belief system, right? Like here in LA, like they got kids. Jordan Spencer's played four games, right? He played three games that they went out and beat Florida with Jordan Spence and Jacob. There's a belief system. To your point, Jack, there's no belief system in this. Well, there's no system, and then there's no belief system with no system in place. And that's what has to be repaired. And it doesn't take overnight. And then, again, that goes back to the credibility of who you bring in the coach the team. Like, so So to me, I think, that, again, that's a vitally important. But, Jack, you're right. Like, it's a lot of – and you know what? The fans are voting with their feet. They're not showing up to the games. And it's, it's – and granted, it's COVID. People wear masks, whatever. But what about next season where we're past all this and everybody's healthy and we can go in and just go into buildings? Like, is, are there going to be 18,000 people at Wells Fargo? Nope. Are there going to be 9,000? Probably. Well, the, and the Flyers tried to pull that off as an excuse that there's restrictions put on Wells Fargo due to COVID, but then you would see the Sixers the next very next night and right. they had uh, an absolutely full stadium. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that excuse just, lasted about well, 24 hours. Dennis, do, yeah. do you, like from an outside source who follows yeah. this pretty closely, what's your level of faith in Chuck Fletcher's ability to turn this around? In how long a period of time, Kyle? By next opening night? No. Two to three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two to three years from being two to three years away. Yeah. Okay, okay, two to three years? <laughs> he's got he's to guess right. He's got to guess right on the coach. He's got to guess right on some trades. He's got to f- attract a free agent. That's going to be an impact player. So you have to have a lot of guess right. Is it possible? Yeah, I think the organization will support him. I think if they win, the fans will come back. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's not – Again, like I draw the parallel to the Islanders. I think the Islanders can bounce back, right? I don't think that this is a bounce back season for them because I look at I, I look at the lineup and I look at the depth chart and I look at the underperformance and I look at the questions of the belief system or lack of belief system. And I don't think, but yeah, could it be done? Yeah, it could be done. Like the the, the Kings did it in three years. Yeah, but they bottomed out. And they traded all their veterans and they. They made draft picks, and they—they they, you didn't recognize that team. The good thing I think, Kyle, though, is that like you're not really the when G goes, like you're not really emotionally invested in the rest of the core of this team, right? It's not like here in LA with this Kopitar and Brown and Quick and Dowdy. Like when G goes, all right. If you traded another, if you traded another, if you traded Provorov, are you that emotionally invested in Ivan Provorov? Like, I, I don't think so. Right? Are you that emotionally invested in JVR? Not that you would care oh my for him. Right? Of course. In a, I mean, yeah, you guys yeah. Well, the opposite of emotionally invested. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I'm saying, like, so to me, 
they could get away with carving up this team and moving out because nobody's going to like go, oh, you can't trade that player. Like You'd be surprised probably, though, Dennis. Who oh, Jerry Mayu? Is that speaking of? Well, we're it's still we're still you. hearing about Shane Goss's spare. Yeah, oh, yeah. Not with Shane Goss's spare. He, he had to go, and he's playing. He's he, he played fifty games that meant nothing. And they look. It doesn't matter. Like Shane Goss's bear is not like that. Wasn't going to solve a problem here. I get it. He went there. He's playing a different style. There's no pressure on him. So fine. He can skate around and get some points. It doesn't mean. But yeah. So Girl to me, it's, yeah. No, I don't no, know. I, 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 actually, I, I, I here's the problem with Philly. They make heroes out of guys like Jerry Mayu. Like, th- th- please don't. I know he's got six goals in 26 years, whatever. So to me, that's it's it's Zach. It's it's weird how certain players get you get an emotional investment from the fan base, and I don't understand. It's it, been so. a long Zach time McKeown. since I was emotionally invested in any fire. To be honest, I think the closest thing, obviously, is Carter Hart. Um, yeah, because he looks like he's 15, and I just feel bad for him a lot of time. <laughs> I just I, it, there's like some paternal instinct that just kicks in. And I know he's the only one that's like keeping them in the game so many times. Yes. I, I would be curious to know, um, besides Carter, is there anybody else that you would declare untouchable for the Flyers? Like one name. Because no. when, when I hear I hear people here talk about like, oh, we can't trade Farabee. Why not? No, like, you can trade Farabee. He's no. not a difference maker. I mean, no. untouchable no. gets thrown around way too easily across the way, league, I honestly. Uh, Hart's the only one I would – have reservations about i'll say hard and gritty hell of a deal yeah but that's yeah crazy og i I think the guy you can't trade though not that he's untouchable the guy you can't trade is ryan ellis right you need some defense here and look he's injured and stuff like that so i I don't know how you could move that piece but we're not even sure the guy exists we don't think (laughs) it's like santa You you mentioned players that fans would would throw fit about if they were traded. Here's one for you right there on the screen. So there was a report a while back. I think it may have Mm -hmm. even been uh, by you guys, Dave Pagnotta in the fourth period. uh, LA Kings were pursuing Travis Konechny. Now, was that something that's actively going on this year? Was that something that was going on over the summertime? Or did it just continue from from over the summer? Yeah, and my, and my buddy John Hoven also connected Travis to uh, Travis Konechny because there's two Travis. Actually, both Kings would be interested in both Travis's, to be honest with you. Take them like, both. Travis Sandheim would be a nice nice ad on the left side. If if they don't get chicken, because again, what? Sandheim is 25 years old. He's got one more year left at 465. Here's, here's Konechny. Okay, I, I'll give you the comparables to Konechny. It would be, and like, I know the production's different, but Connor Garland, Tyler Bertuzzi, that type of player. Like Travis Konechny would work in this system. He would. It'd be a nice ad. It's a question of cost and who else is out there in the marketplace. They need that type of player. They need a more productive player. Um, so to me, yes, I think it's a legitimate interest from LA with respect to connecting. And I think you'll continue to hear that name and Sanheim as well, because again, Sanheim's a left side defenseman. Like he's under $5 million cap hit. And so is Jacob Chikrin. Jacob Travis connecting would obviously be less expensive than Jacob Chikrin. So yeah, there's been interest with respect to both those players here in Los Angeles. Whether it happens or not, it's a package deal in the offseason. I can tell you that. But I, I, the, the chat that you hear, James, is legitimate for both players because they would fill a need on this team. Interesting. Thank you. Um, so now we do have two more players to get to on this list before we let you go. Uh, sure. Obviously not as fun to talk about as Travis Konechny and Claude Giroux and even Justin Braun. Um, Big sealer. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a place uh, somewhere in the league. <laughs> 
So Martin Jones, you know, for, for Justin Braun, you mentioned if there's a trade on the table for Braun, you take the deal. Yeah. Martin Jones, it was right. reported back, I think a couple months ago now that Edmonton had offered a fourth or fifth round pick and Chuck yeah. Fletcher turned it down. Um, are you hearing any kind of chatter at all for Martin Jones still, or has that ship kind of sailed for the Flyers? I think it sailed. I think he, if he legitimately had a fifth round pick for him, he should have made that deal. But no, I don't, I don't hear anything. I, th- I think you're hearing Varlamov. You're hearing Marc-Andre Fleury. That's what you're hearing. And and look, could it happen? It could, but I, I don't see the landing spot. And to be frank, I don't think Jonesy's played good enough to, that it's going to make a difference short of some injury somewhere to a backup. Like if Frank Kuz got hurt in, in Denver, could could that be swinging deal? But yeah, I don't think – I would be surprised if he went um, by by Monday. So that's unfortunate because he was playing well earlier in the season. I'm not sure yeah. at the time if the Flyers were completely out of it the way that they currently are. So, you know, you can rationalize and say, yeah, I understand why he didn't make the deal. Looking back and it's like you were going to get a fifth round pick for a goalie that's probably not going to be here next year. You know, you have a plethora of kids down in the AHL that you could have yeah. called up. I just, James, I think there's just better options. Like uh, like I mentioned, Jarl Halak. Yeah. in Vancouver. That's a better option than, than Martin Jones right now. And again, yeah, it's chicken and egg. It's a function of the team not playing well in front of them. But but I think there's just like three or four better options right now that's available than other than Martin Jones. So you'd have to go take a pretty deep dive with respect to who needs a goalie right now who's willing to make that trade to think Martin Jones will be activated in the trade right now. Wow. All right, and the, the last guy on our list here, uh, a guy that I think we were all hoping to see moved. Is there anything going on at all for, for Derek Broussard or would any team take him on for say a late round pick fifth, sixth, seventh? Mm. I mean, it's not like a salary's out, you know, it's like a yeah, league minimum I, type I, thing. Yeah. He's at what? eight twenty five UFA. I, I, you could look James, you could, and he's your 14th forward on a championship team. Yeah. So let, let's, let's, so mm. let's, let's break it down. Right. Middle of the pack team's not trading for Derek Broussard. Like, Florida, maybe, I, I, you know, it, it would be one of the top tier. It'd be an extra guy. So what that would that be? That would be like Derek Broussard for like future considerations. <laughs> I don't even know if it'd be a jet. It'd be like a sixth or a seventh. I'll tell you, you what, what I hear future yeah. considerations is a real up and comer. He's a go getter. <laughs> yeah, he's good. <laughs> That's what most of our teams worth. Yeah. Yeah, he might get you, you know, he might get you years away from being two years away. He might get you a stake at, you know, Tony Luke's or something like that. But other than that, he's, you know, he's, uh, and I like the player good. and I think it could be useful. And, and remember this, guys, here's the here's what I always go back to. It was Derek Broussard for Mika Zibanejad. Wow. Ugh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, why couldn't the Flyers we have Derek Broussard like then? Now, you can't get Mika now for that, but, you know, sorry. You can't trade back he, to New York for that. These but. are the trades the Flyers need to get. Like, like look at the Florida Panthers roster, right, Dennis? Like, you're looking at guys yeah. like Carter Verhage, uh, yep. uh Anthony DeClaire. Um, help me out here. Sam Bennett was a was yeah. a gem of a trade last season. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sam Reinhart. Sam Reinhart. Yeah. Yeah, come yeah. on. Like, uh, it's it's crazy to say because the Flyers are you would you would you know they're a bigger market team than the Florida Panthers, but they need yeah. to make these they need to find these deals the way the teams like the Florida Panthers are finding these well, deals. Like I don't know who brought it up. I think it was I think it was you. It's drafting and development. Like yeah, when you don't draft and develop, right? You, yeah. Look, go back. Go we'll back. And go that. on cap friendly and look at and you can click on the GM. You can. Look at all the, the, the signings and the draft picks, and look at. That's why Montreal's in a, in a mess. Montreal's never had a first line center. I'm on the radio in Montreal for what 15 years. Never had a first line center, and maybe it's Suzuki, maybe it's not. But again, it's not just the players coming forward. It's the it's the guys that you can trade for somebody else that somebody else has value. 
in these drafting development. It's just, and it's not that easy, guys, because you know what? Even with drafting and development, like Jack Hughes, is he a generational player now? Is Capo Caco? Is Quentin Vifield? I don't even know if it's that. So you got to be able to draft and develop and recognize talent. Look, Tampa Bay does it better than anybody else, right? Andre Vasilevsky was traded for some, I forget who the four is, some depth forward, right? They got uh, Braden Porton in the third round. Kucherov is the bottom in the first. If you don't draft and develop and you make bad trades and bad signings, that's what you get. That's where well, you're stuck. It, I think Steve Eisenman's the best at it. Yeah, yeah right. Yes, it, yes. And and Al Murray, but but like you got to lean into that stuff. And when you don't have that that baseline of talent to move to get to these players, like you can't do it. Like Vegas did it relatively. They're all banged up now. But it, it, that's that's the back end of this. And you and you know to your point, you can't sign two big free agents, and it doesn't work like that. It's not it's not the Miami Heat. Like so, to me, that's the other issue. Like you can get right. And so when I'll give an example, when LA won. Like Dean, if you look at Dean Lombardi's drafting development, no good. Couldn't draft. He he drafted Colton Tubert and he could have had Eric Carlson. But he was brilliant on his trades, right? Vishnovsky for Green and Stoll that were part of championship players. Like he was built Jeff Carter for Jack Johnson, won him two championships. Yes. So it's got you gotta be really the organization has to be either really good drafting development or hit on all their trades. And that's what happened in Montreal. Like Bergevin was a pretty good trader, like except for the Sergeyev trade. The, the trades were pretty good. Couldn't draft and develop, and now he's out of a job. He's over here in LA trying to help out Rob Blake. So that that's the issue is that okay, maybe your signings didn't work, and maybe your trades didn't work. But when you don't draft and develop, you don't have that pool of talent to go into the marketplace and improve your team. I have to agree. And the, the, you talked about Florida and Bill Zito did interview here and they had their heart set on Chuck Fletcher and kind of just yep. being nice. And I hate that. I like the idea of a small market team guy. Cause I believe he was an assistant with the blue jackets. Um, well, you and have to draft and develop. You don't have a choice because you're not bringing in those free agents. And then when you do hit on somebody, you're probably saying goodbye to them once they hit UFA. So a, a guy like that who can draft, develop, not relying on the dollars in a city like Philadelphia, where you can resign these guys and you can go get the free agents. It's like the perfect scenario. And instead we opted for our old ways and guys we know, and we're in the situation that we're in. And I think it's why I continuously think we're going to be stuck here until there's more changes yeah. made, not just on the roster level, but at the top as well. Yeah. I, I think you, what if I ran a team, I got and get the best scout there. Well, I, the, my scouting, like Buffalo, they cut their entire scouting staff like that. No, no, that's not how you do it. And it's not like you can develop every player into a superstar, but you need that pool of talent to reach into. So like when LA maybe trades for chicken, it's because they have Velarde and they have Brent Clark and they have Jordan Spence and they have all these other players and they have Fagamo and all these other players. So to me, that's how you make those moves, those four or five for one, because guess what? Then you get the best player in the trade, and you never not want to be the team that doesn't get the best player in the trade. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that that's that's an issue, and and I don't think they have the framework or the, the right people in place with respect to organizationally that you can build that, and it doesn't happen overnight now. It's going to take you three years to to build that pool of talent if you get different talent evaluators. So it, it's, it's going to be very, very challenging, and it's back to the initial point of – you don't want to be stuck in mediocrity. That's the worst thing in this league to happen because it's a long climb out of it. Jim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the last show. It's one thing for us to say shit about ourselves. isn't it? But Dennis, it bugs me when other people attack Philly. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. 
like, it's not attacking. We, we, it's we, like know, it's, our, we it's, know our problems. <laughs> it's, it's, it's warranted, though. It's like, to me, it's, I like, know it's, it's warranted. It's, it's, not, it's not a situation where, like, oh, this market would never support this team and they suck yeah. and that's it. Like, I know if there was a product that you would support, they, they would fill the building. There's no question about that. I know that. I've been in that city. I spent a lot here's, of time in Philly. I love the fans. Here. Here's the weirdest thing about Philly is it's not here's even that. about, like, if you're a bubble team or not. You, you know, we've dealt with bubble teams for the last sure. 10 years Agreed. now. It's, it's if you give a shit. If you totally. show up and you play hard and you wear your heart on your sleeve, yeah, the Flyers faithful will be there in full force every time. Right now, what we're dealing with is a team that just don't care. They don't care yeah. that they're there. No. They don't care about covering defensive coverages. Right. They don't care about forechecking. They just don't care. Yeah, and that's it. So why should you care if they don't? Right? I get it. I understand it. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, I, And that's why – even though, look, they don't draw great here. I've told people in LA, this team plays hard every night. And if you're not emotionally invested watching this team be Florida with like six guys out of the lineup, like mm. when are you ever going to be emotionally invested? That's what fans want, right? You're absolutely right, Kyle. You want your team to be invested, right? And I get it. It's a tough and it's, it's a shitty season and some guys won't perform, but you're professionals. Like there's a sense of pride. There should be a sense of pride of wearing that logo because of the history of this team. And yeah. it's not there. So when fans like you say, this is BS. I can't blame you. So, Zach, I'm not beating up your team. I'm saying you're absolutely justified in the way you feel about this franchise right now. Yeah, in the same in the same regards to that, we should be embarrassed because when certain things this franchise does, like when that coach from the 70s, the assistant passes away and they put the wrong yeah. graphic up, you know, yeah. and they, they did something similar to that, like earlier in the season. Like these are the easy things. In a Isaac Radcliffe, they misspelled his name. Yeah. Yeah. Like first goal. Yeah. Like unbelievable. This is easy stuff. Like you don't have to rely on draft and development to get this stuff right. Like come on. Like and they, they even, even say get... happy birthday to Ed Schneider. They I don't think they, that. I think they, they completely they missed that too. Happy birthday to Ed Schneider. Missed spelling people's names for first goal. Whatever. Like the guy passes away. They got their picture of somebody else, not even him. Yeah. Like this is easy stuff. So like, when you screw that stuff up, you're at that level of screwing up. We deserve all everything we get. We deserve everything and more. Well, Dennis, you actually one, you appreciate this. Yeah. I think we set a franchise yeah. record of 13 straight losses. And on yeah. the same day, the one Flyers tweet tweet was they released a gritty app. Yes. Uh, where yes. he, yeah, the, the game was he was running behind you eating hot dogs or something. I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't download <laughs> oh, it or whatever. But uh, yeah, they great game. But to, Jack's, but to Jack's point, like here's the thing: Ed Snyder was a was a large, large, larger than life presence. And when Ed Snyder doesn't run the team anymore and it's corporate, that's what happens, Jack. Like those little touches that disconnects the fan base from the team. That's what happens. And there's no Ed Snyder anymore. And that's that's a huge issue with respect to the little things. And, and you know what? Corporations don't think fans notice that. They do. They mm. notice that shit. And to me, that's another reason to like, oh, well, the team sucks, but they can't even do this. So, you know, and the tickets are $85. Why am I, you know, I'll go see the, you know, Lehigh Valley Phantoms play. Yeah. That's what's happening. Exactly that. Um, Dennis, we're about uh... – I mean, it's about nine o'clock out here on the East Coast. We've had you on for about forty-five minutes, um, guys. Is there are there any parting questions or parting comments for for our our special guest before we let him go? What Quick have one? you heard um, other than Giroux uh, going around the mm -hmm. league? 
what are the other biggest pieces around the league that you think are going to be trade deadline moves? Well, look, Pat Verbeek has to trade Lindholm and Raquel. Now, the problem with Raquel is he, again, hurt again. And he was he was hot. He's a, such a streaky scorer. I said, you need to take that guy out of the lineup because he's hurt. He's going to get hurt. And then he got hurt. So to me, but I think Lindholm is the guy, the other guy that's going to move the market, right? Because that's what, three pieces. Like, this is a guy you put on your top here and, and win a championship. So Lindholm is, is, I think, the guy right now with respect to um, what's going on in the marketplace. He's the highest value guy, like, since Charats went and, he, and he's a rental. But to me, I think Lindholm's the guy right now that uh, – because he can, you know, he can – he got a nice return. He got that Hellison kid. He got a pick. He can get what three or four more assets, and they've got parts in Anaheim. So, that, to me, Pat for Big's probably the market mover because he's still got two high value assets to move here before Monday. I got a real quick one, uh, Dennis. Sure. <clears throat> Chuck is obviously Chuck Fletcher's on a, a short lease. Yeah. Uh, wait, even if you make some off seasons moves, if, if they start sure. if they start awful next year, I, I would say it's probably 10, 15 games. Um, they're, they seem to be grooming Danny Breer. What do you think of his hockey right. acumen? Um, I like that play. Our uh, Anthony DeMarco did an interview with Danny. I think that'd be a nice fit. Knows the organization. So I think that's, uh, look, I, I can't like, he's done the work, right? He's not parachuted in here. He's done the work. He's, he's, he's been running Maine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he, so I, I think that's it. it, it it's how much like, do you hit the things that if it goes South again, like, do you want guy with, with familiarity of the organization or do you want a guy with totally different optics? Like, like, look, it would be the opposite of what Montreal do with Kent Hughes. Kent Hughes was an agent. Yeah. And he came in. Okay. So, so to me, that's, that's the key. But I think if you put that player, if you put him in, in that role, he's done the work. So you, could you trust that's a good move? Yeah. Will it work out? I have no idea. Uh, but I think that's what's happened now, Zach, is that there's, there's, there's no middle ground anymore with respect to executives. It's, it's either a guy who's been there, who knows everybody where all the bodies are buried or it's a guy who's had totally different optics and isn't attached to anything in this organization or any organization, and you go with a with an executive like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jack, you got one more uh, question for Dennis? Just one question on Giroux in Colorado, because yeah. this is what I'm pinning my hopes to fully. With the injury to Langeskog and the knee surgery yeah. and Colorado saying that this is their year and all their early playoff exits, do they – do we really are we really shutting the door on Colorado? Or is there something potentially there? I, I don't I don't think it's look if it was a season ending injury, Jack, I would think, yeah, there's something there. I still think it's Florida. I, I do. I, I just think even that that's what's the, the Charot move. Yeah, even with the Charot move. I, I think that that he's the guy. I think the, I, I still like Florida. I still think that's the guy. Okay, and again, the caveat is like, do you trust um Naskadri in the postseason? But to me, I think that's I, I think they've got enough up front in Colorado that you don't have to move G. He's going to get traded, yeah. Like so, to me, I think it's still Florida. And look, if you get you know Lundell out of there, I don't think going to get um, Knight. Obviously, I think that's the team I still look at because look, here's the thing, Jack. It's a harder path for Florida than it is for Colorado. Colorado's basically got to beat Calgary, and they have mm -hmm. enough juice to beat Calgary. Florida, that look what they got to walk through. Like if they don't want if they don't win the division, they're gonna have to play Toronto, which they should beat, and then Tampa Bay, and then Carolina. I, I think that's the team. If they have the Zons on one, and you see Zito's been aggressive, I think that I think they're just gonna be more aggressive because there's a bigger hill to climb for Florida than Colorado. Florida definitely seems hungrier. That's that's for sure. That makes sense. I like that for sure. No problem. Okay, DB. 
Thank you hey, once thanks again. Thanks for the invite, boss. This was great, man. Anytime, man. You guys do a great job. So thanks for bringing me on. I really appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Thanks, buddy. Great conversation. Great Thank you. Cheers. Take care. All right. There he is, the man. Busy guy. You know, he had to go. Probably it's another show right after us. <laughs> Lots of info right there, boys. Um, let me just start off with this. With that Florida move and the avalanche making moves, how confident are you still that Claude Giroux is going to be traded? I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about that more and more. I'm not yeah. sure, dude. I, I know he thinks he's going to Florida, but uh, bringing on rentals is always such a risk. Right. And I don't know if you want to take on that risk. Florida is just humming. And yeah, yeah, bringing in Sherrod, like, I don't know. And I don't think bringing on a guy like Claude Giroux is all that much of a risk, to be honest with you. Well, it is depending on what you have to give up. And there's also a disruption of chemistry, too. The Claude Giroux is a big personality. He's a former captain. You have to take that into consideration, too. He's not going to, he's not used to being second fiddle. He hasn't, he's been the captain for a decade. That's, that's an also, that's a thing. And if, if you think that you have the talent to do it without him, why even make the consideration to bring in that trade? Florida doesn't have a problem. They don't have a problem defending and they don't have a problem scoring goals. So I, I don't know. And, and same with Colorado. I know Langeskog went down. That's why I kind of thought they were the presumptive team because they need a little bit of an offensive boost. But the teams have figured it out. And I've been thinking this for like a month. I don't I don't know why you add add somebody like a, like a Giroux. Because when you, when you add a former captain from another team, you're you're adding a, a you're you have to give you presumptively have to give away a lot, and you're adding you're adding a big personality to the locker room, in a locker room that's already been working well for you. So I don't I don't know if it's worth it. And then if there's a team that's kind of on the precipice, I don't I, I, I the, there's no teams that have come out and and presented any sort of interest. So I'm not sure. And remember, the guy's a human. Like his kids go to school here. He's lived here. It's it, there's probably difficulties in, in leaving an area that you love so much. So it might be it might come down to a personal decision that, yeah, I know my team sucks, but man, I, 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 I love where I live. I, I love my neighborhood. I enjoyed my time here. I don't know. I, I, I get the feeling more and more that he's just going to resign here. It, it's I kind of looking like back. they're missing the boat a little bit. Like teams, teams aren't like waiting around for Claude Giroux to play his 1000th game. Like they're, they're getting going. Luckily for us, yeah. it's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. The only defensemen have been traded so far, except for Foley about a month ago. So yeah. one tidbit I think is really important that, that was mentioned. Uh, I think – I can't remember where I read it or where I heard it. Chuck Fletcher does have a team on standby to you know, take on cap. It, it's already agreed upon, hey, if we get a deal for Drew and you know the cap doesn't work out, we're gonna you we got a team ready to take on whatever that number is, I guess. So that's kind of the wild card here. Is that Buffalo? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, they didn't say the team. I would assume you know Arizona, Seattle, Buffalo, one one yeah. of those teams. Yeah, Buffalo was mentioned, so it yeah. makes sense. Uh, but that's kind of the wild card aspect that I guess doesn't necessarily count out Florida and Colorado. But you know, it, it does you know complicate things a little bit. Who gives the extra asset to make that happen? The Flyers shouldn't be. You know. I agree. Yeah. I so. just, it, it would be a sad way for him to end his career. And I, it, that, that has to be the most difficult thing to weigh. You know, I want to, I want to move and disrupt my family's life and go, you know, try to get a cup. Uh, dude, they mentioned he's, he's wearing it like for sure. Like you, you could see it. Like he knew. And after that mantra, I mean, he knew before, but after that Montreal game, like the emotion was fresh. Right. Yeah. And you could just see when, when Karkidi asked him, you know, whatever the question was, you could see on Claude's face, like, 
Man, I, I just don't know. Like he he doesn't want to have to make the decision, but I he has agree. to make it. I don't think he knows either. It's isn't it crazy? Like it's time I, I, to make it. But... Maybe he just wants to go through tomorrow night and kind of just live in the moment, enjoy the night, and then think about it on Friday. I think so. Yeah, because tomorrow night's going to be a thousand games for. You know, I, yeah, I, I've made it consistent. I'm not his biggest fan, but it, it, he's an extraordinary flyer. And a thousand games for one team is just remarkable. I, <laughs> so I really, I really hope that the Flyers do it right, and <clears throat> they don't blow it like the Holmgren talkit debacle. And they're gonna yeah. misspell Claude Giroux's name on. That. Yeah, they <laughs> 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 be like a Bobby Clark drafted him, and we are here to celebrate. Who that would be a little him? bit funny if he did that, though. If he did that to mess with him, I'm really surprised Clark is gonna be there. Really I kind of am too. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that no, was interesting. I know he's he's the only other flyer to play a thousand games for the franchise, but yeah, to to get him out of Flynn at these these days is, is pretty difficult. So yeah, <laughs> um, especially I guess this is a nice time of year in Flynn Uh One Yeah, more yeah. bit on Giroux playing in a you know a thousandth game for the same team. I believe only seventy players in NHL history have done it. So you know, it's, thousand, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, playing a, a thousand games game. for the same team. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. it's that many even. Me, yeah, me too. And I saw that. I mean, 70 is a decent amount, but you consider, you know, all the players that have played in the NHL, it's, 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 it's an extraordinary, very small. he's had an extraordinary career. There's just no denying that it's absolutely, it'll be, it'll be sad to see him go. And hopefully I, I would be curious. Cause I remember when Bork left for Colorado and then came back to Boston, I happened to be living in Boston at the time and hoisted the cup and everybody was so happy for him which was kind of surprising because Boston fans have a lot in, a, in common with Philly fans. I, I would, I would love to see the reaction of Giroux coming back. Let's say he goes to Florida, coming back in a Panthers jersey and hoisting the cup. <laughs> Could you what imagine that? What sort of turnout he gets. That, I mean, it, so here's the thing, you know, a lot of fans would love that. Yeah. It would legit make me sad to see that. Like here's a guy a that was here for 15 years, lifting the cup and he's wearing a Florida Panthers jersey. Like, Oh my yeah. God! It just makes me feel gross. I was happy when I got when when team and him picked up the cup. So, yeah, I, I was I, too. I'm, I'm gonna be happy for the guy regardless, man. I'm hey, the here. total opposite, Kyle. As soon as a player doesn't play for the Flyers anymore, I wish them the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty. Going bad. ACL first game. Fuck yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, all right, so let's end the show on a on a high note here, and uh, I promised a little bit of sauce. We'll only take a couple minutes with this one. Here it is, the first Sauce segment of the episode. Johnny Gaudreau will be a flyer next season. True or false? True. Probably true. False. <laughs> we have a one yes, one maybe, and a one definitely no. I'm going yes. 100% believe it. And you guys know why. We're all in the same group chat. Um, there's too much evidence. There's too much reason for me to believe that it's going to happen. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that Johnny Gaudreau is going to be a flyer. And I know Dennis is saying, hey, you can't, you know, you can't plug a hole. Uh, I mean, there's too many holes to plug. Mm -hmm. To me, it's like, land the coach. We've been saying, I've been saying it. The coach is massively important to this team, the next, next coaching hire. Next thing you do is you go out and get a star. That's Johnny Gaudreau. And mm -hmm. you fix two of your biggest problems right there. I think it's going to happen. So are you dream boarding this into reality? Or yeah, this... I'm, I'm saying it enough oh, okay. times to where it's actually going to happen. Then let me change my answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> four, four, there you four. go. Four yeses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I just I just think it is. And I, we have reason to believe that it that it could happen. It's not just, you know, wishful thinking here. It, it could actually legitimately happen. Johnny Gaudreau in a flyer uniform next season. Oh, so it's, it's certainly possible. You know, we got the trade deadline to look forward to. <laughs> not looking real great right now for as long as we've been waiting for it back since November. Starting to look pretty bleak. Um, you know, and then we obviously have the off season, so that's great. I heard I was listening I to I, I think the fanatic and they were it, they were talking about what we could possibly get for Derek Broussard, and I'm like, this this is the darkest moment in Florida. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> spoiler alert, it isn't gonna be Mika Zubanajad again. <laughs> <laughs> the fanatic I think it was, Derek think it was Martinez. Martinez was like, you know, oh, okay. he's, the, he, he's right. the type of player that you know a lot of he's a god veteran. I'm like, oh my god, how sad are we? Yeah, yeah. The, the one topic of discussion that we're presenting to how many listeners they have right now is what could we get for Derek Broussard? Right. Ooh. The guy on the line's like, I can't wait to give my Eagles point about the backup punter. And they're talking about this, <laughs> they're talking about this bass art guy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So true. Well, that was Third a fun spring episode. Punter's looking strong this year, boys. Looking yeah. good. <laughs> Australian kid. Uh, cool. All right. Let's wrap this one up. So before we exit, uh, we'll be back next week with Anthony Sanfilippo to kind of, you know, uh, follow up on what happened uh, on next Monday's trade deadline, kind of like we did last year. Uh, you remember Anthony kind of, uh, he kind of broke that the Flyers had laid groundwork for the Ryan Ellis deal. We talked about it then. Summertime comes around, it ends up happening. So, you know, maybe there's some scoop that Anthony, Anthony will have next week. We'll find it out. Make sure you tune in uh, next. Uh, we haven't nailed down a date yet. we got to see when the Flyers don't play. You know, we'll let you guys know throughout the week. But uh, look forward to that one. Um, so uh, that's going to do it for the episode. For myself, for Jack, for Zach, for Kyle, thank you guys for hanging out. As always, uh, next time you'll catch us live, it will be tomorrow night after Claude Giroux's 1,000th game live. Um going to be dave uh, i think he's got a special guest or at least he's trying to he might you know parade out all the hw podcasts for the show we'll do something special uh, but in the meantime make sure you drink your green stuff take your vitamins and everybody enjoy the rest of your night